Well, tonight, I'm going to take you back to a portion of Scripture that my brother preached from last uh, Wednesday night. And if you were not here, you owe it to yourself to get that tape or that CD and listen to it over and over again. Uh, So full of uh, the wisdom of God. And it I had already been looking at one of these verses for quite some time and uh, just kind of inspired me to go back and dig a little more. So we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 4. And in particular, I am going to read verse number 15. And uh, you can remain seated. I know we typically stand, but you can remain seated for that uh, reading. But it goes like this. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And the portion that I want to draw your attention to is a portion of Scripture that has troubled Not only myself, but a lot of people, and that is, but was in all points tempted like as we are. And what does that mean, tempted like as we are? Because when I get to thinking about that, there are some things in my natural life that question whether that could be true. And I'll explain that in a moment. Don't think I'm a heretic yet. Martin Luther said that it takes three things to make a man of God or a woman of God. Meditation or reading the Word of God, getting into the Word of God, studying the Word of God, prayer, and temptation. Those three. Meditation, the Word of God, prayer, and temptation. Now, Immediately, when we hear that, all of us will agree that the first two belong. Obviously, if you want to be a child of God, a man of God, a woman of God, you certainly have got to love the Word of God and not only love it, but study it and read it and absorb it and meditate on it. And certainly, you must be a person of prayer. You've got to commune with God. But what about that? third thing. Was Martin Luther wrong that temptation is part of what helps make us a child of God? And I believe that what Martin Luther meant, no doubt, was that a godly character can only be developed in the crucible of life where we have to fight many battles with the world and the flesh and even the devil. And the simple truth is, listen to me tonight, prayer and the word alone cannot make us godly. We need the struggles of life, the hardships of life, the temptations of life added to that mixture to help make us strong. Now I know that's, That's a radical statement, but if you will allow me tonight, I I hope I can show you that what I'm saying is not heresy, but truth. 
there, te- there is a necessity in all of our lives that we go through a certain amount of trial and adversity and temptation. Now, this verse uh, has no doubt caused a great deal of concern for many people in their spiritual journey. I, I don't know how many of you have ever read it and wondered, could that really be true? Anybody ever wonder that? I mean, is was how was he tempted like I am? How could it say that he was tempted like me when his life experience was so different than mine? Number one, he was never married. So how could he have been tempted like me? He was never married. He didn't ever have to learn how to... Let me rephrase that. He never had to deal with divorce or the issues that come from that. He didn't... I don't think that he ever had to deal with drug-related issues. I don't think he was uh, he was hit on at the corner for a joint or or something else. I, I don't believe that he came from a broken home. Obviously, Scripture does not mention Joseph after his birth, and most historians believe that Joseph died early on in his life. But whatever the case, I don't read of a broken home that he came out of. So. How, if he was tempted like me, how could that be related to somebody that came from a broken home? He was never sexually or physically abused. And yet the Bible said that he was tempted like me. But you need to listen carefully to me tonight because the Bible did not say he was tempted in all things like we are, but in all points like as we are. It's not about the specificity of a temptation, but the point of temptation that the the scripture is alluding to. So what are the points of temptation? What are the avenues from which temptation come? What are the things that he went through that he endured that are just like the things that I go through? Now, I... I am convinced tonight that the temptations that are referred to here and the temptation that we read about in Scripture were intensely real and there is no doubt that they were genuine in their effect upon him because unless he had really and cruelly been tempted He would not know how to identify with me in my situation. And so because he did identify with me, the the temptation was real. It was not in the mind. It was not only in the heart. It was in the totality of his life. And his sinlessness is not an endowment. It was not something that was put on him, but his sinlessness was an unparalleled achievement. It was not a gift bestowed on him from heaven, but it was a moral and spiritual victory. It was won and fought out 
moment by moment, day by day, step by step, by a will that was obedient to the Father. And so, how was he tempted as it relates to you and I? How was he tempted as it relates to our human experience? I believe there are three things. And I know that I mentioned the, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, and I'm sure that, that it could be uh, drawn. There may be actually more than three. But I see three main things that he was tempted with in his human experience that parallel where you and I live. And the first temptation that came to him was the temptation to avoid. Everybody say avoid. Avoid. From the very outset of his ministry, Satan tempted him to circumvent the plan of God and accomplish his goal in another fashion. He was tempted from the very beginning. The Bible said that after he had been uh, baptized and came up out of the water and the Spirit speaks, the Bible said he was driven into the wilderness and there he was for 40 days and nights fasting and it was after that time of 40 days of prayer and fasting that the devil came to him. And the devil always likes to show up at times like that. The devil likes to show up, number one, at the beginning of things. When you begin to move in a new direction. When you decide to leave the old life of division and strife. And when you make up your mind to affect the needful change in your life, you can be assured of one thing. The devil is always going to show up to try to circumvent. And the scripture says that when the kingdoms united under David's leadership after the fall of Saul, that the Philistines then came against them. So from the very outset of his ministry... He was tempted to escape. He was tempted to dodge. He was tempted to sidestep the problems that were before him and avoid the issues that life would bring him. Satan tried to sabotage his destiny with this subtle ruse of, of avoidance. He was tempted to avoid the process and go straight to the prize he was tempted to avoid who wants that kind of pain who wants that kind of suffering when there could be another way and that's always the ruse of the devil there could be another way often he faced that temptation in his life and so it is with our lives we are tempted to want a blessing without the trial. We want a harvest without ever planting the seed. We want God to move without us ever doing anything to provoke that move. We want victory without a fight. We want a shortcut to the plan because the plan is too laborsome, is too toiling, and is too hard. 
And so he was tempted to avoid. Everybody say avoid. Avoid. What he saw before him troubled his soul, no doubt. But the scripture says that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Offering an open door to the desired goal is what the enemy will always try to show you. That there's a shortcut in life that offers you and I an easier way. And the temptation in life is to achieve something by some other way than the right way. Because the right way is usually the hard way. Amen. And so we are tempted to avoid. We don't want to face the issues. We don't want to deal with the issues. I I was talking to someone just a while back, uh, and I was they were asking me some advice on a particular situation, and I said, if you want my advice, this is what I'm telling you to do. And I laid out a plan. I said, you do this, you do that, you do this. And so later on they called me. <laughs> And they were kind of laughing and said, well, Brother Hughes, we just said that Brother Hughes said not to do that. Now, we are laughing tonight, but the truth of the matter is, in every one of our lives, there are times when we would do anything but face the music. And so he identified with me in that he too was tempted to avoid, avoid the cross, shun it, take another road. Surely there's another path that will get you where you want to go. And have we not all been tempted like that? And this passage brings him close to our struggle. It brings him close to our lives. Because he knows what it's like. Listen to me. He knows what it's like to have what you want offered to you at an inappropriate time or at a vulnerable time in your life. No one could have been more vulnerable than a man who'd been on a 40-day fast and to be offered to turn, or, or, or you not offered, but told you can turn this stone into bread but that's not God's process God's process is till the ground plant the seed grow the crop harvest the crop mill the grain make the bread and the devil said oh no that's too cumbersome that's too laborious there's a better way than that all you got to do is speak the word and that stone can become a piece of bread and you can satisfy your hunger right now and he was vulnerable he was an easy target it would have been simple for him to said that who would have known it was just him and the devil out there in the wilderness anybody how would anybody have ever known that he had done such a thing listen to me folks there are no secrets in the devil's kingdom don't ever believe that lie that nobody will ever know because if you do it the devil will make sure that everybody knows it but he was tempted 
he was tempted to avoid. And so doing anything but face the real issues in life. We'll do anything but bring down the real problem in our life. And that's usually us. I cannot tell you how many people that I've tried to counsel with and I've tried to help. And I've come to a point where I felt like I was just beating my head against this piece of wood. And it's just like, I'm, what, what's wrong here? And all of a sudden it became evident. What's wrong here is that they are looking at everybody else but they're avoiding where the real problem and the real issue of their life is and that's inside of them. Amen. Everybody say it starts with me. Amen. It starts with me. It starts within me. And if we're not careful, we will run and hide and avoid and shun those things that are hard and are difficult. He knew what it was like to have what he wanted offered to him at an inappropriate time. He was going to get all of that, but it was in God's timing. It was not going to be at this point in his life. And so it is with us. He knows what it's like to be tempted to avoid the hard stuff of life. Doing right has never been easy. And I've got good news for you. It never will be easy. The question comes, who would know? You would know. Even if no one else finds out, you cannot escape you. And you're going to have to lay down on your pillow at night. And for that thing to survive in your life, you're going to have to kill something else in your life because you cannot get away from that voice that God has put in you that said you did wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said that. And so we have to live. You will know. So the best thing in life is not to avoid that, but face the things that come our way. Face the issues that come up. And don't point it, well, Brother Hugh said, or somebody else said, but look at yourself and say, you know what? I'm saying that's not the right thing to do. Take responsibility. Everybody say, take responsibility. There are things that you can do that no one else can do. And there are things that you can do that will affect your eternity if you'll just do them. And I'm talking about right things. Everybody said amen. Number two, he was tempted not only to avoid those uncomfortable things of life and, and to avoid a lot of the pressures of life. You know, you know. Uh, if, if he would have just cut to the chase, he wouldn't have had to deal with all of those disciples. He wouldn't have had to deal with a, a backstabber and a gossiper and a, 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 he wouldn't have had to deal with jealous brothers that were petty about where they got to sit in the kingdom. He wouldn't have had to deal with a, a, a man who would betray him. He wouldn't have to deal with three disciples of the inner circle that he had more confidence in than any of the other disciples. And so he brings them a little further into the garden and he said, watch for with me and let's pray. And when he goes away to pray and comes back, he finds them asleep. 
There's a lot of things that you could have avoided in life. There's a lot of of pressures. There's a lot of hassle. There's a lot of headaches. There's a lot of things that just frustrate and aggravate you that you might could circumvent, but you're not going to get the result that you want, and neither will I. And so he was tempted to avoid. Everybody say avoid. Number two, he was tempted not only to avoid, but he was tempted to hurry. Hurry the plan of God. To annotate the hour of God. To rush God's plan of purpose. And we too are often tempted to play God at times. To play God at times in our own life. In life, we are tempted to become hasty in critical moments and to interfere with the drawings of God and the workings of God in our lives. There are few things in life that are more difficult to do than wait on God. Amen. You can give me a Baptist nod for that one. Because you know I'm telling you the truth. Why? Because God's way is slow. God's way is slower. God's way is slowest. And we can find a million ways how we can speed things up. And we can grease the wheels and make them work better and so we're tempted to hurry we're tempted to push things you know we got to make something happen around here you know what we never come to make something happen we come to make a way for something to happen and there's a vast difference between the two we're not here to beckon God and tell him to obey our command we're here to find out what the command of God is and do that and when we do that the blessings of God will come into to our lives and if we're not careful we get to play in God and we get to being little demagogues and we get to being lords over our heritage and thinking that we're more than we are and knowing all the time that we're out of place we don't like the plowing the ground we don't like having to plant the seed We like going down to the grocery store and just buying it right there, full grown. The worst thing that's happened to our our generation, and I speak in in a large term there, I believe is drive-through restaurants. Because we have been made to believe at Whataburger and at Burger King, you can have it your way. And not only you can have it your way, but you can have it your way right now. I mean, you speak into a little box, you drive to one window and pay some money, you drive to the next one, and if they're not putting it out the window, you're already griping and belly aching about it, and it's the worst thing that's ever happened to America and to our world because it has made us think that that's how life is. We can hurry life, we can rush life, we can push life, and we're not willing to take the time to grow. We want to become successes overnight. We want to win the victory right now. 
Now, we don't want to have to fight any of the battles, but we want to be victorious tonight. We want to put the devil down. We want to tell him where to go. And yet we're never willing to bloody our hands or get down on our knees and our face before God and pray those things to pass because we think there's an easier way to have it than that. And so we try to hurry God. The devil tells us that we can get it quicker than that. It only takes a service to produce a conversion. But it takes a lifetime to make a saint. And God's way is always slower, listen to me, than our flesh is willing to go. Did you hear me? God's way is always slower than our flesh is willing to go. We're stomping on the... We're we're trying to put the gas. Come on, God. Hurry this thing up. I don't have time for this. I, 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 I can't put up with this. I need something to happen right now. And God said, you know what? Why don't you let me be God? Why don't you let me work things out? Why don't you keep to my plan? And if you do, it will accomplish more than you can ever imagine. It'll be more than just a vicarious death. It will be a life that is transformed. And it will be a life that changes the world forever. How often have we wanted God to hurry things up? How many times have we said, I'm tired of dealing with these people. How many times have we said, I'm tired of the same old criticisms coming from the same old people? How many times have we said, I'm tired of the eyes that are always focused on me, waiting for me to mess up so they can broadcast it on Facebook or tweet about it and we want God to hurry we want God to clean us up put us on the straight and narrow it's the weary monotony of the way that wears people down listen to what numbers 21 4 said and the soul of the people was much discouraged why because of the enemy because of all the obstacles that they faced No, it said because of the way. Everybody say the way. You see, it's the way that God works His will out for our life that discourages us. It's the way that God operates that makes some of us antsy because we want it now. And God said, wait. Everybody say wait. So we're tempted to hurry the plan of God. Come on, we can get this done a whole lot quicker. If you just let me run this church, Brother Hughes, we we could clean this thing up. Yeah, we could. We could probably clean it out too. But let Brother Hughes, if you just get out of the way and let me do what I'm good at doing, I'm good at troubleshooting. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It, the trouble, your, your way of troubleshooting is just line everybody up and take a shotgun and go. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, yeah. That's why you need to leave God's plan alone. And just learn how to 
work with God and learn how to wait on God. And I want to say it again. I want you to get it etched in your mind. God's way is always going to be slower than your flesh wants to go. Number three, he was tempted not only to avoid or to hurry, but he was tempted to come down. Matthew twenty-seven thirty-nine through verse 42. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Why? Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. Think about that. Come down from the cross and we'll do for you what we've been unwilling to do these past three and a half years. We'll believe in you. And so hanging there, in again a vulnerable state, beaten beyond recognition, his body so swollen, his intestines hanging out, his face matted with blood, thorns upon his head, and nails in his hands and feet. And they cried, if you will come down, we will believe you. Isn't that why he came? So that men would believe on him? Isn't that why he was born? So that he could make man believe that God cared? And now he's offered this opportunity. Now he's given this chance. If you'll just come down. And so it is with all of us. The temptation of life is to lower our standards. It is to back away from our goals. It is to lower not just our standard, but to lower our expectations. You want too much, Brother Hughes. You expect too much. It's not real, they say. It's unrealistic to think that people can do that or be that. And so we are tempted, just like he was, hanging in that vulnerable state. If you'll just come down, if you'll just lower your standard, if you will let us define the standard, we'll give you what you want. We'll believe in you. You ever wonder what would have happened if he had to come down? I can promise you, knowing people like I do, somebody would have said, well, now wait a second. We need you to do one more thing. Because when you start lowering your standard, the devil's not satisfied with one notch. 
He's not satisfied with two notches. He's not happy when you just come up. He wants you just to bring it all the way down. Now, he'll tell you anything to get you to do it. He'll tell you anything. You can get by. You can do better. You'll get more people. You'll attract more friends. You'll be more popular. You'll be smarter than everybody else if you will just accommodate things and lower your expectations. He was tempted to quit, give up, to stop. The voices from Calvary were fraught with temptation. And you would think that at such a place as Calvary, people would have been more sympathetic and understanding, encouraging and assisting. But not so. You would have think that in life, when we're going through hard times, and people know that we're going through hard times. I mean, it's not like a mystery. It's not like veiled and hidden. Everybody can look at him and see what kind of condition he's in. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that it's painful what he's going through, that it hurts what he's going through. It doesn't take an intelligent person to figure out and deduce that this is not right. And you would think that in a moment like that, when people see you vulnerable... And hanging and hurting and even crying. That they would sympathize with you. They would feel sorry for you. But they didn't. They reviled him more. You know what that tells me? If you look for the world to give you encouragement, it ain't going to come. It's not going to happen. And if you look... For people to applaud you so that you feel a sense of accomplishment, you're going to wait a long time before people do. And you're going to miss a lot of God's purpose for your life. You've got to hang in there because that's God's plan for your life is to hang in there. You've got to hang in there because it's right to hang in there. Because what you're reaching for is better than what you would get if you quit right now. That what you're reaching for has more consequence than what you could accomplish if you stopped it all now. You would think that at such a place as Calvary, people would be sympathetic and assisting and encouraging, but they were not. Let him come down, they say, and we will believe. How many voices cry for us to come, c come down? How many voices that call for us to come down from our purpose or come down from our dream? Brother Hughes, th those dreams are unrealistic. Those, those expectations are too high. I'm afraid you're going to be hurt. I'm afraid you're going to be disappointed. I'm afraid that you are going to be sadly lacking at some point in your life. You know what? I would rather shoot for the stars and hit the moon than to not shoot at anything at all. Because I'm afraid I might miss the stars. You know what I've learned about God? God is on the side of the trier. 
That's who he's on. He's on the side of the man that's making an effort. And let me tell you something about your pastor. I'm on the side of people that are making an effort to do right. And as a matter of fact, I will not stand with somebody that I know is doing wrong and and placate them. I'm going to stand on the side of somebody that's trying to do right, even if they stumble and fall, even if they, I don't care what their mistakes are. If I see them turn in their life, and begin to make an effort to do right, I am going to err on that side because that's the side that God errs on. He goes to the man or the woman who's being whispered to. It doesn't take all this. You don't have to make that kind of commitment. You don't have to be that dedicated. You don't have to live that kind of consecration. You can have a whole lot more for a lot less. Think of the agony he would have avoided. And the converts he could have had if he had just come down. But the glory was was in hanging. The glory was in enduring. The glory was in endeavoring until he could say, It is finished. Praise God. It is finished. It's done. It was a shout of victory because he had reached his goal in that particular stage of his life. You and I are not going to get through life without struggles and we're not going to get through life without temptations. The Bible said that he identifies with us because he was tempted in the same points that we are. Maybe not the specificity of your temptation But he knows what it is when you're tempted to avoid or hurry or worst of all, worst of all, to come down from that calling that God has on your life. So I'm going to leave you with three admonitions. Your struggles are necessary, so fight on. Amen. Your struggles are essential, so keep fighting. Your struggles are what makes you stronger. Fight on. Your struggles are what makes you the man or the woman of God that God designed you to be. Fight on. Somebody say, fight on. My struggles are necessary, so I fight on. Number two, God has not forgotten you no matter what you think or no matter what the devil tells you so hang on God has not forgotten hang on somebody say hang on hang on number three your future is certain it is certain if you fight on if you hang on you'll be able to walk on Because Calvary was not the end. It was just a doorway to a resurrected life. To a life that would blow your mind. Amen. And that's what God's Word is trying to tell us. 
I know what it's like. My brother preached to you last week it's so powerfully how he has identified with us. How did he do it? He identified in the temptations that come to every human being on the face of the earth. We're all tempted to do one of those three things or all of them at some point in our life. But the Word says, fight on. The Word said, hang on. The Word said, stay with it. The Word said, don't hurry. Don't get in a hurry. Learn how to wait on God. Learn how to accept God's program. Learn how to accept God's process. Learn that it takes the seed in the soil to produce the fruit on the vine and someday ultimately bring you to that place where you can enjoy the fruit of your labor. But don't think you're going to get the fruit without the labor and you're not going to get the fruit without first going into the soil. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. That simply means he kept fighting and he kept hanging so that he could continue that work that had begun in a little babe in a manger in Bethlehem. A life that would forever change the world. The life of one who gave all that you and I might experience all that we do. So much of our concept of God and our comfort of God comes from knowing that He cares and knowing that He identifies with us. And so it is tonight. He was tempted. Everybody say he was tempted. Like as we are. Like as we are. In all points, like as we are. Yet he didn't give in. And he didn't try to circumvent. And he didn't try to cut short God's plan. He just walked with God. That fleshly body. That purposeful tabernacle of God's divine plan purpose that's what our life is about let's stand together